Hello, we are going to finish up um, 1 Timothy chapter 5 today, and um, we're talking about how we are going to honor and discipline leaders, uh, in this case, which are um, the elders of the church, and that means both the position of elder, right, because we didn't have like pastors in this church, you were you were an elder, um, but then also um, maybe the elder population elderly i did not say lee i just said elder i don't so, want to get into that <laughs> elderly that puts me in that elderly category oh, terry well yeah. you know what lord willing it happens to us all <laughs> it's better than the alternative right that's, there you right. go that's true <laughs> uh, all right well i will defer to my as the um no, just go ahead. I, I won't even <laughs> oh, say go, it. Go ahead, Suzanne. We, we can take it. We can take it. She can take it. We, we can take anything you can throw at us. We're your elderly. I For your elders. refer to my elders and sit quietly unless I feel there is some wisdom that is not appropriate. And then I will edit you out while I'm editing. How about that? We give you permission. We give you our permission. She is younger than the rest of us, but she does have more power. (laughs) She does. That's right. Because I'm youthful and I know technology, right? (laughs) You're right. (laughs) Listen, we really respect that, Suzanne. Yeah, big time. (laughs) Big time. Yes. Oh, anyway, Terry, why don't why don't you bring us back to what we're supposed to be doing? Uh, the word of God. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Verses 17 through 25. <clears throat> the elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honor, especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. For scripture says, do not muzzle an ox while it is treading out the grain, and the worker deserves his wages. Do not entertain an accusation against an elder unless it is brought by two or three witnesses. But those elders who are sinning, you are to reprove before everyone so that others may take warning. I charge you in the sight of God and Jesus Christ and the elect angels to keep these instructions without partiality. Do nothing out of favoritism. Do not be hasty in the laying on of hands and do not share in the sins of others. Keep yourself pure. Stop drinking only water and use a little wine because of your stomach and your frequent illnesses. The sins of some are obvious, reaching the place of judgment ahead of them. The sins of others trail behind them. In the same way, good deeds are obvious, and even those that are not obvious cannot remain hidden forever. Like when I read this, I feel like there's a lot of, oh, by the way, and, and yeah. also, OPS. Oh, you know, mm-hmm. but it's it's yeah. in the middle of the chapter, um, or the middle of the book. But I do feel like there's some little add-ons here. Yeah. So, I think the thing that I found the most interesting about this was 
you know, if you have something against or between you and a brother or sister, you're supposed to go to them first privately and you take some, then if they don't listen to that, then you take somebody else. And if they still don't listen, then you take a second person. But with an elder, they're saying that's, they've got to be reprimanded in front of the church, made an example of. So it's just kind of a heady, weighty kind of thing. When If you're going to be in that position, then you better be aware of just how responsible you are um, and how public that responsibility is, should you fail. So why do you think that they're called to call them out in public and have these conversations in the open versus the congregant who you just pull aside and... Um, have these conversations with privately? I think because of that scripture 21, where it says, obey these instructions without taking sides or showing favoritism to anyone. You know, we love our elders and our pastors usually. Um, We have a lot of respect for them. And if you see someone that you really love um, going down, you know, and they're your elder or your pastor, and you see them maybe going down a path that's, that's wrong, it's, um, it's not easy to go to them. Um, and, and it would be really easy to say, well, you know, they've been so good for me. They've taught me so much. You know, it's really easy to make excuses for not confronting. Um, and I think, you know, that things are established in the presence of witnesses. So here it says, don't listen to an accusation against an elder unless it is confirmed by two or three witnesses. So I find that very interesting because we're not supposed to gossip, right? So how do I get those two or three witnesses to confirm the issue that I see if I haven't talked to somebody about it? Do I wait for someone to come to me? Um, And I kind of think that that's the way it happens. I think that the truth bubbles up in a situation like that. And not only one person is aware of it, but several. And I think the Holy Spirit brings you together. And because of his intervention in that situation, I think that's why it's a public kind of thing. Okay, we see this is going on, and we bring it before the church. Well, and I think you you have to bring it um, publicly because they're held to a higher standard. Remember back uh, earlier, it says if anyone wants to be a teacher, whatever, um, that's that's a high calling, and that's worth you know that's a um, I forget the that's a great desire, but you are going to be held more responsible and people are looking at you. And you know that when you take this position, you're, you're held up on a, to a higher level of um, honor and, and also accountability. Yeah. And so if the church is looking at their elders and you should be able to look and respect your elders and say, okay, yeah, they're, they're living this life the right way, you know, and if they're not, you need to call them out because you don't want your whole church going, oh, that's our okay. elders can get away with that. Our elders are doing that. We'll do that too. Yeah. So I think that's a part of it. Do you think it has anything to do with the stage of the church too? Remember, like this isn't this giant, big established like we have now. Um, that this was a movement and this was kind of the beginning of a movement. So if you are, and, and a lot of people were suspicious 
Um, so if you were real open about, listen, like this is what we expect and we're going to be real open about what we, what we expect and also what we're going to uphold, then we're keeping everything on the up and up. We're keeping everything on the up and up for those who are looking in and wondering, um, oh, are you just covering things up? Oh, or, you know, is there some big stuff that you're just hiding so that you look good? Um, whereas if you have it out in the open, it's like, listen, we messed up and we're going to correct this and we're going to do this as a whole and we're going to do it in a loving way. And then we're going to move forward as a movement. I think it has to happen at every size church, the beginning of every church, even the mega churches. This isn't about, I know what you're talking about, like with church structure Mm -hmm. and things like that and how crucial it was in the beginning. Mm -hmm. It's also crucial when they're like mega churches. I think this is because there's more people. This is a timeless admonition to us. Yeah. Because we still have to, we still want the world to look at us and see that we are not um, hiding anything, that we are transparent. Um, I think that's really important, as important today as it was then. There's there's a uh, article in the back from Got Questions: Should Christians Judge the Teachings of Their Leaders? And that's our job. That's our job. We should be constantly judging um, our leaders' messages according to scripture. Does it line up? And then ultimately they should, their lives should reflect the fruit of some, uh, it says in here, um, a teacher's life is marked by a progressive conformity to the likeness of Christ. Is it, is this what's happening? Um, are they becoming more mature? Right. And this doesn't mean our leaders have to be perfect. I, I really respect a leader or one of our teachers or someone that says, you know, I really thought this was it, but the more I thought about it, I was wrong. And I want you to hear that I was wrong and it needs to be this way. Right. I think as the body of Christ, we need to constantly be, have that connection to our teachers where we can say to them, I'm not so sure about this part. Maybe you could check this out. Our leaders need that too. Not just with each other, yeah. right? But they need to deal with us peons here <laughs> that are like that that are following the word of God. You There's know, a, an old expression that we're called to be fruit inspectors. So <laughs> I I like that because I don't want to judge the person. You know, all right. of us sin and fall short, and so I could look at any one person at any given time and say, "Oh, they're in sin." So I'm, I don't want to judge that person because that's that's not really my job. But I am going to inspect their fruit. Right. And if their fruit is not what it should be based on the word of God, then I then I have to make a choice of what I'm going to do about that. Um, and that may mean going to them and saying, "Hey, you know, I I, I see this problem." So, yeah. so I wonder if it goes initially um, in that way. First, first you approach one person. So you approach the leader. That if they're not listening, then you bring two more people, and then it, it, that part well, I would hope would happen. In and private. eventually, then you come before the church. You know, yeah. probably yes. so, Rosemary. Yes, I, I yeah. can't imagine that you would without 
right. talking to them first, just take them before the church. Right. You're I not just gonna, think this is the extra yeah. step. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you're not going to stand up on a after. Sunday morning and say, I disagree. And no. I challenge you right now. No. That's, um, yeah. that's yeah. not going to get you anywhere except escorted out of the building. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah well, I, go ahead. Go ahead, Terry. I was just going to change the subject a little bit, but if you okay. need to keep talking, go ahead. Yep. Because <laughs> okay. we'll very, change it back. I that's know a us. Very <laughs> wise approach. You guys are so wise. Oh, um, the, you know, uh, verse seventeen. Let's talk about last time we mentioned, you know, that you we do have to financially support our church because there's no way the church can exist without it, right? And so here's a little uh, more. You know, there, I have heard people before saying, um, well, why do they get paid that much? They don't need to, you know, like every preacher should be poor. Like no. it, that's their, that's their, um, that's their calling. So shouldn't it just be like, you know, given to God? Why do they have to be paid? And it's this scripture right here is really good. Don't muzzle an ox while it's treading out the grain, which means every once in a while, while this oxen is working, he needs a little, you know, he needs some sustenance. He needs to be fed. So let him, let him eat a little bit. And then, um, you know, you think about gleaners all through the old Testament and throughout they're talking about how to, Take care, people. I just switched my own subject, <laughs> didn't I? <laughs> it's all right. We're following, and we're mm-hmm. going to change it to something else. So keep going. <laughs> uh, the do- the did- worker deserves his wages. I think we need to be happy to pay our pastors a good yes. wage. Yeah. They work hard. They work practically nonstop. And... Uh, we should not hesitate to give them a, a good and a fair wage for what they do. Well, because they have families to support too mm-hmm. um, and lives to live. Um, being called to the ministry doesn't change any of that. You know, you still need a house and food on the table. And um, so, yeah, I mean, I always kind of looked at that like if I work, anybody that works for anybody gets paid. Mm-hmm. Um, and God has established this way for people that are in full-time ministry doing the work of the kingdom to be paid. Okay. So I'm going to even change the subject a little more. (laughs) I don't know that Jesus wasn't rich. Here's my thinking. I don't think he was poor. I think he just used money for money to achieve what he needed to achieve. And he didn't store up his treasures on earth. And he spent a lot of time storing up his treasures in heaven. But I don't necessarily see that he was poor because they had a treasure. Yeah. Right. Judas was the treasure. It's like they had to have had money for a treasure. I know that's one of the rules. (laughs) 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 I just, when I think through apostle rules, that's one of them. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But, but I just think he used money for money to accomplish his, his purposes. Yeah. Right. I don't think he saw it as God. Clearly he didn't. Mm -mm. Um, Suzanne, yes. What's going on over there? <laughs> He's cogitating. She's wondering. Oh, yeah. I'm. I'm just reflecting. Um, 
there's a lot of, you do get a lot of flack of like, why do pastors get paid that much? Why do, why shouldn't, why should I pay you to do this job, whatever this job is in the church? You should just be happy to do it. Um, mm-hmm. As someone who gets paid by the church, cause that's my job. Um, and I, a lot of what I do now, um, I would be happy to do on a volunteer basis. In fact, some of it I did do on a volunteer basis, but the fact that this is what I do all day, every day, um, means that I can't get another job mm-hmm. to help pay for my kids to go to college. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I have teenagers, they, you know, teenagers yeah. are not cheap. Um, <laughs> so, um, it is important. Yeah, mm-hmm. it is important. Um, now I think there's also a balance because we have all seen those pastors who get on their private jet and go get in their Bentley and drive to their, I don't know, whatever. Multi-million dollar estate. Outrageous, <laughs> right? And that goes back to what Rosemary is saying about Jesus used money for money, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. He wasn't like this lavish, walking around in purple robes kind of guy. Um, so there is that balance. But that's where we have to trust our treasurers, and that's where we have to trust um, the processes and the people who are leading our churches to make those wise financial decisions. Amen. Yeah. Um, And this kind of comes to another part of, like, um, do not be hasty, the laying on of hands. Mm -hmm. That's in uh, verse 22. There's an FYI. FYI box by Charles Swindle. Um, this can be taken two ways. First, a church should not um, ordain a man without first seeing a consistent track and record of maturity and integrity. So in general, your behavior in the past does dictate what you'll be like in the future for the most part. Of course, there can be some changes. Um, and there can be corruption as people get super rich as they get to be the head. It's heady mm-hmm. to be in power in a church and you've got to keep your focus correct. So things can change. You may have seen a good track record previously, but things can happen to people. That's why pastors need to be in community. Um, Second, the church should not restore any fallen minister to any position without assurances that he has given sufficient time or attention to allow the Lord to reform his character. So, um, so, okay. We do not look for perfection in our elders and pastors. And I think that's really true. Um, It's like a pastor can step back. I would really respect a pastor saying, hey, you know what? I'm kind of messed up in this area. I need to spend this focus on like my marriage. I need to step back from the church for a period of time to restore what's been happening. I don't need to know all the details. What I need to know is this pastor has gone with other people, other elders in that church has um, confessed his sin or wherever he's seeing, and then is doing what he take what it takes to come back to right relationship with God in the church. Right? I don't need to know the details. That becomes gossip. But I need to be able to trust that people are doing things. Now, if his theology, if he was preaching that marriage can be, let's say, open, and you don't really need to, that does need to be corrected in the church. That does that detail needs to come out in that. Um, But we need to be, the church needs to be careful about who they put in that position in the first place. 
Right. Um, there's a further thing. Um, what they're looking for for a minister is he free from addictions, compulsions, moral and eth- ethical corruption, or ugly habits like chewing tobacco. I don't know why I wrote that in there. I know. I wrote that in there. I was like, well, okay, yes, that might be it too. Um, Not in the South. That's all. I know. I know. Maybe. Let's see. Um, But does he remain accountable to some, but transparent to all? And I think that's just really important. Um, And to put his theology out there, his thinking, that is just super important. So, and so there's Timothy. He's faced with all this. Now he gets his letter from Paul. I think there was a part like Timothy was probably friends with these guys, right? And he has to rebuke these elders who've probably helped him, you know, in his ministry. They could have been in charge of children's ministry and he has to rebuke them, or they could be in charge of, I don't know, what could be the accountant, right? Hmm. Hmm. He does say, do not share in the sins of others and keep yourself pure. Like that. So Timothy here is really the leader of this church. um, And that's a lonely place to be a lot of times because um, like you just said, Rosemary, like these elders, you know, if these are the guys that he's having to rebuke, these are his bosom buddies. These are the ones that he's leaned on. And um it's hard not to get sucked into some of that drama, right? If that's what everybody mm-hmm. around you is kind of going through and man, that's lonely and that's tough. Mm-hmm. It's so interesting. Did Jesus rebuke Judas? He knew it, who Judas was, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but I think he just let it happen to fulfill the, what was prophesied. Yeah. yeah. Okay. This just goes back to why it is so important for us to be praying for our leaders. Yes. And not just our national leaders. You know, we talk a lot about, um, like, as a society, you know, pray for your leaders. But guess what? These are the leaders that are boots on the ground in our churches who are looking our community members in the eye. And um, especially right now with so many things being so divisive, these are our leaders who really need us to be holding them up so that they can finish the fight strong and for their families who are Mm -hmm. um, taking a lot of that because their families are the ones who are listening to the side of the conversation where they have to be um, patient and kind and um, still withholding or still upholding what is right and what we stand for. um, Cause that's tough, you know? Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. Anyway, well, speaking of praying, Angie, do you want to pray for us? I would love to. Okay. Well, Father, this is pretty heady stuff today. I don't think any of us like the thought of having to um, rebuke somebody or be disciplined ourselves. Um, that's, that's tough. People that we love. Um, and I know that it's hard when you always want to think the best. And your word tells us that we should always think the best. If there's any good thing, we should think on that. But Father, your word makes it pretty clear that there are times when we just have to face the reality of a situation. If we see sin, we have to confront it. Um, that we can't just let it go. We can't brush it aside. Um, because if we do, then we're kind of saying, well, that's not a big deal. That's okay. So Father, I pray for boldness, 
for all of us to stand firm in your word and for your word. Lord, I lift up our leaders, like Suzanne said, leaders in the church, our pastors and our elders, um, the people that are teaching Bible studies and Sunday school classes, the people that are teaching our children. Father, I pray that you will strengthen them in their inner man and that you will bring greater revelation to them of who you are, of your great love for them and for all people, of your mercy and your goodness and your grace, of the forgiveness that you offer. And Father, I pray that you will bind us all together as a body, as a church, um, and that we will have a united purpose and that it will be the same kind of purpose that you have for us to do us good and not to harm us. Help us, Father, always in everything that we do and say to do it in love with the intent to build up, to reaffirm, um, to correct, but not to destroy, Father. And Lord, we thank you that you've given us the Holy Spirit to give us the discernment that we need in these situations. And so, Father, we praise you, we worship you, because you are a great and awesome God. And I thank you, Lord, that you have even given us instructions about how to handle ourselves in all these situations. You haven't left it to chance or to our own opinion. You've given us your word. So, Father, I thank you, I praise you, and I bless your name in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Ha <laughs> <laughs>